Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. We are starting a new series today called What's My Mission? In this whole month of July, we're going to be unpacking this concept about finding our calling, our mission within Jesus Christ. And I really believe that when it comes to American churches, we've developed this culture to where we focus solely on the aspect of repentance. And don't get me wrong, repentance is like a lifelong journey as a Christian. We're always growing in ourselves and um, in our faith. But really, there's Paul describes repentance as baby milk in scripture he says he, he literally describes it as the, uh, the, this baby milk and that we should move on to solid foods so repentance is what he's describing as something for new believers it doesn't mean that we leave repentance altogether we still need nourishment but that we can move on to in a sense bigger and better things repentance is just like that step one and even the word repentance it's not this terrible mean word it simply means to change direction and so if you really get this concept down repentance is that initial step of choosing to follow christ it's that you were walking one way in life and now you're walking a different way towards god and that way is this ongoing walk this ongoing journey of repentance it's not that we have to uh, consistently always like uh, critically analyze ourselves of what what do we need to repent of next I mean, it's gotten kind of crazy if you think about it. There's some churches where I'll look across and see these random series or messages to where, like, the, I saw this one pastor that was going all in, all in about how we need to repent of gluttony and how food is, is the new sin. It's, it's tearing people away from, from their faith. I'm like, dog, Ecclesiastes says food is the only good thing on earth that we have. <laughs> Gluttony is not the one sin that's, that's bringing people away from Christ. It, it's like what I'm getting as we've begun focusing on, it's almost like we're running out of things to say that we need to repent of, and so we're creating new things to repent of. When truly, if we were to just change our mindset to understand that that is just baby steps. Those are baby steps. And as we are becoming more and more mature in Christ, that's when we become fixated on what is God's mission for my life. It get, becomes less about what do I need to stop doing? What do I need to, uh, to change? And what do I need to start doing? Y'all feel what I'm saying? And so this whole month, we're going to be talking about growing that spiritual maturity and analyzing scripture and learning how to navigate our individual missions in life. Today, specifically, we're going to start by unpacking this idea of the Great Commission, the Great Commission. And we find this calling in uh, this calling of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Even to the end of the age. And before we get deep into this message, notice how, notice how, in this, these beginning verses, it says that Jesus is resurrected and that in this moment, people doubted the authenticity of the real Jesus speaking to them. I believe that in this moment where he's giving this first mission as a resurrected king, how even these disciples doubted. So we, it, it, it echoes into today how many believers doubt whether or not God is really calling them to step up in a certain way to their own mission. Y'all feel me? So now with that being said, I want us to understand that magnificent things have happened in the world through Christ-based ministries. 
Christ-based organizations. Even uh, just such amazing things that have been perpetuated by single people, a single person, single individuals, or small groups of people. And I believe that we long to continue to see magnificent things like that. And I want to just take a step back to, to make it relevant to like situations going on right now. Even with um, the recent overturning of Roe versus Wade, one of the one of the biggest accusations has been, well, people uh, the people that are pro life need to step up and start adopting and fostering people. Uh, these kids that are in the foster system. They if they're really pro life, then they would care about these kids within it. And not not trying to perpetuate a stance to anyone, but just to give a little bit of uh, interesting t- statistic. Did you know that the number one people group that adopts in the U.S. are are Christian people, even more specifically Christian males? And then there's a then the stigma is well they only adopt the kind of kids that that are are good enough. Did you know that the most the majority of people that adopt are white Christian males, and the least adopted kids are white white kids so the min- they're the minority within the foster system what i'm getting at is that all of the the negative accusations against christians are actually not true that christians are often always the ones picking up the most slack did you know in the uh even when there's a natural disaster that it is christian organizations and people that show up to the area that was affected and offer the most help first, even before FEMA. That the first ones to the scene are, are people within Red Cross, Salvation Army. And that the government are the people, uh, are typically the people last on the scene. As they cut through all of the red tape of bureaucracy, it's these, these simple volunteers that are doing more than paid workers. Y'all feel what I'm saying? I'm trying to get to, to, the, to the point that so much incredible, magnificent things happen because people find this mission, this calling within their life, and they answer it. And I, I really believe that we need to see more magnificent things like this, that real people need, uh, need the impact of God's love practically, emotionally, and spiritually. So ask yourself this, what are we waiting for? What are we really waiting for? When was the, I want you to ask yourself this. When was the last time that you did something significant for the kingdom of God? When is the last time you've done something significant for the kingdom of God? How long have you been waiting to make a difference by answering the calling that God has ha- given you? How long have you really been waiting? I believe that something truly has to change in our ideology if we want to make an impact in the world. And we have to understand that we have been conditioned, we have conditioned ourselves to wait patiently for the pastor or some other leader to tell us what to do. We've been waiting and waiting for, waiting for us to be told. And we have allowed ourselves to feel content with these passive, nice gestures of good intent. That's one thing that I really irks me about social media is that it, it is filled with virtue signaling filled with virtue signaling it, it, it it's nice to to give a stance on something but really think about this for a moment in the last several years there's so many things to stand for on social media and so many people have have virtue signaled and acted as if they've done incredible things by simply putting a post I stand with this. I stand with that. But see, these are all nice gestures that are truly passive because they have good intention, but they really don't make a difference. There's no action to it. It it gives the impression that you're doing something without really doing anything. And within the church, I really believe that we have allowed this replacement of real ministry action with good intentions. And I believe that now is the time for aspiring ministry leaders to truly rise up and that now is the time of God's calling for people's lives and that now is the time for you to start moving forward with, so that you can make a difference in someone's life. And I want to be clear that 
often we think that we have to make a difference in everyone's life. And when we do that, we often make a difference in nobody's life. But if you really, throughout this message, if you, I, I want to encourage you to really think within yourself of what it is that you're passionate about. What is it that moves your heart? Because rather than trying to reach everybody in ministry, that can feel overwhelming. Think of it this way, trying to reach somebody. Because when you try to reach somebody, it will feel like you're reaching everybody. But if you try to reach everybody, you won't reach even one buddy. <laughs> so, with all that being said, I want you to understand that ministry, this is, this is a really key background to everything we're going to talk about today. Ministry happens outside of the church just as much as it happens inside of the church. Don't allow yourself to think that because your church doesn't have an opening for ministry leadership that you don't have an opportunity to minister. It's not true. You can become a minister at your church or you can become a minister independent of your church while still being loyal to your church. And today, I want you to understand that both make an impact. And I'm going to show you how simple it can be to, when it comes to, starting, to start doing ministry. I'm going to teach you how to, re, how to retrain your mind to lead with confidence and I will help you to see that, that you have God-given potential to make a difference. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Like, get our notes out, okay? <laughs> We're going to start off with this idea that one decision makes a difference. The impact of one decision. The impact of one decision because one decision makes a difference. And I want us to understand that when we look at each of the apostles, I don't think any one of them anticipated that millions of people would be studying their every recorded word, their every recorded action. You think Peter was truly thinking that every little thing he said, every little thing he did was going to be analyzed by Bible scholars and theologians for, uh, by millions of people and looked at and taught on Sundays? See, we, we literally analyze the details of each quote in the, and we try to understand the intention of every single move that they made. The smallest little detail we analyze. And we use these small little details uh, of their lives as lessons on how to live as Christians today. And it shows the incredible impact that even just one person can have on the world. Did Jesus not say that if you have faith, the size of the mustard seed, which is the smallest seed out of all the other seeds in the garden, you have the faith, small as a mustard seed, that anything is possible. It says that that small seed could grow into this, uh, this giant tree in which all these animals of forest can, can live in. And just, just a small little seed of faith can move mountains. Now, there's been plenty of times in my life, in my walk of faith, where I was like, well, shoot, I guess my faith is even smaller <laughs> Than that tiny little mustard seed. But see, if we, if we look at the Bible as a whole, it says that the, in the book of James that faith without works is dead. That we see faith by our actions. It's not that we're saved by our actions, but our faith is seen by our actions. And so if we understand that the little seed of faith is something that's planted, that means that an action of ourselves is something that we plant in the world, that we plant in somebody's life. It could be as simple as offering a prayer to somebody. It could be as small as inviting somebody to church. See, those are just tiny little actions of faith where you get that little nervousness, like, oh, what if they get mad? What if they, they don't want to? Blah, blah, blah. But if you just plant that little tiny seed, can grow into this person's life, this, this forest of faith. It can make such an incredible difference by that small little action that was made. With this command, when and going back to the Great Commission, Jesus says, go and, make the, go and make disciples. He's telling to go and make a difference. Go and make a difference. And any difference made in the name of Christ is called ministry. Any difference that you make for, in the name of Christ is called ministry. That's actually... Any of you that, that 
me or Lauren have talked to over the phone late at night because you needed to talk, you needed prayer, you needed to just get something off your chest. See, that is, even though it was a simple conversation, that was ministry. Anytime that we, uh, we've gone somewhere in the name of Christ, even if it was to go and support someone's birthday, and we went as pastors to, to show the love of God to them, that, even just some, something like that, is ministry because we're doing it for Christ. We're showing God's love intentionally. So anything that you do in the name of Christ is called ministry. And hundreds, if not thousands of things can fall into this category of ministry. And when it is used, anytime that you are using, being used to be the hands or feet, the hands and feet of Jesus in some way. It could be visiting a nursing home. Have you ever done that? The trick is, for this might sound messed up, but it's just real. The trick is you have to spray like some cologne or something on your hand right here for whenever it smells, you just go like this. And it gives you a fresh breath. It's like the, the way that the incense would operate in the altar. When they were slaughtering all the animals, the incense didn't just, it wasn't just for fun. It would cover up the smell. It would help make the, the horrible smell of a slaughterhouse bearable. Y'all never been in a nursing home like that? <laughs> it just can smell bad sometimes, okay? But go, visiting a nursing home, you know, those, those people need the love of God. You know how many times we would just take a youth group to go and visit, and, and we would just go and talk with them, sit with them, pray with them? I mean, they were so blessed. They truly felt like it was Jesus visiting them. So many people that don't have anyone showing them love. They're just waiting there waiting for someone to see them. You know that even volunteering at schools can be ministry. You can just start going to a, a PTA meetings. You can start volunteering in, uh, as, a, as an assistant coach. You can do so much just within the public schools. You don't have to wear this big sombrero hat that says Christian on it. You can go as a secular volunteer and be the hands and feet of Jesus in a public school. You, even when it comes to financially giving or raising funds, imagine financially giving or raising funds for single moms. That can be ministry. You know, there's a church that was accused of not being led by the Holy Spirit anymore because they got too big. And little did this, this person that accused this church of that know that in the background, they had done this whole ministry to where they, they, they raised thousands and thousands of dollars and they they found out who every single mom was in the church that needed a vehicle or had a broke down vehicle and they started calling them in one by one and either getting their car fixed or getting them a brand new car paid for oh but y'all are too big now y'all are being led by the holy spirit they do that is ministry y'all feel what i'm saying see even playing video games with some fatherless kids can be ministry I remember this young man in our old youth group. No one could talk to him. He just would shut down, didn't have like these social skills. And it was like one of those kids where like people were like, oh, maybe you can try. <laughs> maybe you can try. Maybe you can get to him. And I remember I just ended up inviting him over to my house when Lauren went away to this. She had to go on this trip for, the youth, for this youth conference and I couldn't go. And I just invited my house and I just played video games with him for a couple hours. I just hung out with him, spent quality time with him. And all of a sudden he started opening up, started wanting to know more about God. It's just that simple act of showing that I cared without trying to shove a Bible in his face. See, that simple act of quality time was ministry. Anything in which you show the love of God by being the hands and feet of Jesus is ministry. Whether it's quality time, whether it's a listening ear, whether it's financial support, whether it's serving in some way, some way you're opening people's hearts to receive Jesus. And you might, uh, the question that happens, the thing that makes us hesitate with stuff like this is, is it really making a difference? There'd be so many times where I'll get accused like, was well, that really making a difference? Is that really showing them Christ? It's something seemingly ordinary. It reminds me of a time when again when we're youth pastors and i i never considered myself necessarily a, a great a, a magnificent or extraordinary youth, youth pastor but i was still pretty great and 
I remember when we, it came to the time for my wife and I to announce to the church that we were leaving. And I know I've shared this story a couple times, but we announced to the church and our youth group that we were leaving. And I really, I expected there to be, you know, some tears and like, some, I miss yous and, you know, all that jazz. But I remember this moment where this girl came up to me with tears in her eyes. And she was a newer youth, okay? She was a newer student to the youth group. And so I was kind of taken back that she was crying. I was like, you just got here. <laughs> and she had these tears coming in her eyes. And she began to say, man, I'm just going to miss you guys so much. You, you guys were my motivation to coming to church and even getting closer to God. Y'all made me feel so welcome. And I, I just don't, I, I know I'm going to keep coming. And, and, but it's just going to be harder without you guys here. And all I could think of in my head was, what was your name again? <laughs> I felt guilty that I hadn't put out more energy into this person that was so appreciative for the little bit that I have given. I, I remember just in that moment being so taken back by the impact that was made even unintentionally. And that's when I realized that how often we underestimate the impact of our actions in individuals. Every single action and even the absence of an action makes an impact. Even though we often think little of ourselves, we often think little of ourselves, we often think so little of ourselves, the reality is all of us are leaders in some way. Whether it's in what is your life or the life of someone near you, your actions matter and leave an impact every single time. The truth is you're a bigger deal than you think. You're truly a bigger deal than you think. Think about the last time that you were working, say, if you've ever worked in a fast food place, think about a time that, uh, of someone being late to their shift. Maybe if you once worked at a bank, I don't know, but someone just being late to their shift. Did it affect the other staff? Typically, everyone else has to pull around more weight. Everyone else is, is, is shuffling faster. Like, oh, where are they? Where are they? And see, anyone that is running late, they don't really think it's that big of a deal. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just a packager. What's the big deal? See, but not only did it affect the other staff, did it affect the customers? Now the, light, the, the line to the drive-thru is all the way out to the street. Every single person is later than they would be. Now, now people are freaking out. Oh, I'm going to be late to work. My kids are late to school. I shouldn't never come here. Everyone's freaking out. They're having this big stress. They're like, I oh. And see, it's affecting all these people. Every, th this, this one unintentional decision affected everybody. It affected so many people. See, you're a bigger deal than you think. You're a bigger deal than you think. Even think about a child that never met their father. See, I don't know if y'all ever saw the movie Ninjago, <laughs> the Lego movie. If you have kids, it gives reason. But then if you don't have kids, like you're a child at heart, right? <laughs> but there's one scene that I, I just found really, really funny. And it's this point where you find out that the main hero's dad is the supervillain. And there's this moment where he gets his FaceTime call from his dad slash supervillain. He's like, what do you call? You're calling? And then he, the supervillain dad goes to the phone and is like, oh, sorry, I must have butt-dialed you. And then he goes on to say, you know what? You ruined my life. And he simply responds, how could I have ruined your life? I was never even there. <laughs> See, it's just... a. A comic relief of something that's so true is that even just the absence of somebody makes an impact. Just the absence of somebody makes an impact to where even them never even being there can define a person's life. And it's not what the father did, but what he didn't do that affected a person so incredibly. Your decisions and your actions make an impact every single time. And if we can understand now how much of an impact we make in simple decisions that we didn't even think about, imagine the kind of possibilities 
Imagine the possibilities of an intentional, planned out, prayed up, Holy Spirit filled decision could be. How great that kind of impact could be. So let's throw off our insecurity blanket of timidity and take hold of this reality that you matter and that your actions matter. Don't think little of yourself. Stop thinking little of yourself, but believe and know that you can make an incredible difference in ministry. That that is what Jesus calls every disciple of Jesus to do, to make a difference. And so now that we have faced the mirror and understand that it's impossible to escape this idea of making an impact, I want to project a completely different way of thinking than you're probably used to. And that is, you do, uh, is it, it was within the locked potential of hesitation. And that is, you do not have to ask permission to do good. You do not have to ask permission to do good. I want to read this passage of scripture in which someone decided to go out with intentions of good without first asking permission. It's found in Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 41. And it says, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able to soon afterwards speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. What? Can we read that again? For the one who is not against us is for us. You know, this is kind of just like extra credit, but that should show us that we do not have to be fighting other churches or Christians if they have a different ideology than us. It literally says in this verse, Jesus talking, if they are not against us, they're for us. And we have Christians all over today that are are trying to accuse their brothers and sisters in Christ of not being authentic Christians, of being false teachers because they didn't put a, a social media post. Jesus said, if they are not against us, it's for us. It goes on to say, forever gives you a cup of water to drink because of, because of your name as followers of Christ. Truly I say to you, he shall, be, he shall by no means lose his reward. This story displays this man that started his own Christian deliverance ministry, but without first asking permission of the disciples. He didn't ask permission of the disciples. He didn't ask permissions from Jesus. And the way the disciples reacted is how so many religion-focused churches react today. With insecurity, getting upset, even offended that they, he didn't ask permission first. Now, don't get me wrong. There's, there's a lot to benefit. It can be good and beneficial to get advice and direction from people that are in the field of work that you want to enter into before entering in. So I'm not saying that we should never ask for advice or direction that we're just lone wolves in this Christian ministry idea. No, but it's saying that we do not have to ask permission. In fact, let's Let's look at Jesus' response because it gives a glimpse of God's heart towards those who want to do good for the kingdom of God. I want to unpack it because first he says, do not hinder him. Do not hinder him. This first command, again, this is a command. He says, do not hinder him. That is a command. This command, he tells the disciples, it encompasses multiple things. Do not hinder him means do not stop him. And do not make it difficult for him. Do not make it harder than it needs to be. Do not stop him and do not hinder him. And this statement alone gives an ideology to see ministry almost similar to that of a free market. To where anyone could start doing ministry. That even, even easier than a, a free market in the U.S. We don't even, you don't even have to uh, get a, a DBA. <laughs> You don't even have to get a tax license. You don't even have to pay a percentage of your ministry, uh, whatever is received in your ministry to the government or to local churches. It's even freer than the free market. And see, we understand this context of 
of this free market style when it comes to starting a church to some extent. But even with that, anyone, anyone could, in a sense, start a church. I mean, look at me, right? <laughs> but even with that, when a church is, when a church is built, we, have, we run into, we turn, in it, we turn it into this highly restrictive governmental system with so much red tape that it's hard to get anything done besides service on Sunday. Make it incredibly difficult. I don't know how many churches I've been to where someone wants to just literally open the door to greet people on Sunday. And they're like, no, we have, a, we have a system for that. We already have volunteers in place. Wait your week. Wait your turn. Someone that literally, I remember this lady, this, this super nice older lady just crying because she truly just wanted to, to, to show someone a smile in the morning through, through the love of God. And truly, she was, she was really darn good at it. If there was anyone opening the door for me, I would want it to be that lady. All these other people just opening her like, hey, welcome. This lady was like, oh, it's so good to see you. I mean, she made it a ministry. <laughs> Not opening a door with something small. She made it a ministry. I mean, you are happy if you got the door opened by you by this lady. I mean, she, there'd be times where I'd be like, kind of just like not in a good mood and she would just know. She would never be like, mijo, what's wrong? Like, nothing, it's fine. Like, come here, let me pray for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just hug me and just, just show just this love. She made it her own ministry, but she was hindered. It, she was hindered. It was made harder for her. See, we have this, I, this, we made it so governmental. We made it so much red tape. And we have this, this, this idea that any kind of ministry that we would want to do, that we have to ask permission. <laughs> imagine, imagine ministry outside of the church. Imagine the freedom to pursue whatever passion for God you have in your heart. See, so often people have this, this passion inside of them. And they have this passion that not everybody understands. Imagine this lady really trying to put, like, explain to people this passion behind opening the door. It seemed like nonsense to some. But see, there's sometimes where we get a passion to where it just, it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense to you because God gave you that passion. And so often... People try to bring this, this passion and this idea for the church to start a brand new ministry. We need to do this, this brand new ministry. We need to start a biker's ministry. We need to start a biker's ministry. And there, there's so many bikers that, that could benefit and really grow closer to God if we start this ministry. You know what? We need to start this balloon ministry. There's so many people that are just, they light up when they see balloons. And we spent like a one day a month to just have this big balloon parade. Y'all don't see, y'all don't see the passion. <laughs> y'all don't see the passion. But see, often these ideas get brought up to the church. And sometimes the church has the capacity to just do it and try it out. But many times the church doesn't have the capacity to start a whole new ministry. Many times the church doesn't have the capacity to do it. And what happens is people get hurt or offended because the church didn't see their potential or the, or the need like they did. They feel God's saying yes, but they feel like the church is in the way. And many times they end up leaving the church and sometimes they even take some people with them causing a church split. All because the church didn't see the mission like they saw it. And you must understand that the church's job is really, this is, this is it. The church's job is to be the church. The church's job is to be the church. Holding an assembly of believers to gather and worship God together through prayer, teaching, and reading of scripture is what the church is supposed to do. That is the actual description of what the church is supposed to be. And everything beyond that is supplemental ministry. Supplemental Meaning that you could do it, but you don't have to. It's like, if you've ever taken supplements, it always says, take this after a meal. Take it with the meal. Meaning, the meal is what you really need. This, 
vitamin. This is a supplement to what the meal is actually giving you. And if we understand that this is the purpose of the church, everything beyond is supplemental ministry, it's, you must understand that it's incredibly complex. It's energy-consuming just to have church. I know it may not seem like much, but it took a lot just to get here today. Just for this message, it took hours. It took, it, it took lifetime experience to prepare something so simple. It takes a lot of work. And when adding ministries, it's not as simple as adding ornaments to a Christmas tree. It's complex. It takes time. It takes resources. It takes planning. It takes energy. It takes extreme focus. So when a church says no to somebody's ministry idea, we shouldn't take it personal. We shouldn't look at it as something that is hindering us. But in fact, that may be the ministry God has called you to do. You specifically to do. And that he can use you to even connect the people you end up ministering to with your church. You know how many times I would do ministry outside of the church and then bring them to the church? Every time that I would be witnessing to somebody at a school... I was in Louisiana. I'd always be going up. To, I'd be walking schools during their lunches. I got permission. I didn't go there illegally. But, and I would just talk with kids, counsel with kids. I would tutor for free just to be able to offer some type of ministry. I, don't even, I wasn't even good at math. There's sometimes the kid would fill out there. He's like, what do I do here? I'm like, shoot. That's a good question. Let's look at the back of the book. Where's the, let's see what the answer is. But see, I offered this free tutoring just as a chance to minister to these kids. And you know what I would do? I'll talk with them, I'll minister to them, I'll try to help them through their problems, and then I'd invite them to the church I was going to. See, some, sometimes, because we can do ministry, but we still need the church. We need both. And you can do ministry out the, outside of your church while still being completely loyal to your church. Now, I want to get back to the passage, passage because the second thing I want us to look at is when Jesus says, For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he shall be by no means lose his reward. This is honestly one of the most encouraging things to ever hear or read in, in, when it comes to being in ministry because it says that nothing that you do for God is inadequate. Nothing that you do for God is inadequate. Remember, Jesus, uh, remember, everything Jesus is saying in this passage is talking about ministry in reference to the man that was delivering people in Jesus' name without asking for permission. Now think of how little it is to give a cup of water to someone. There's a time where I've made ministry just that. I, I would literally just go around giving free bottles of water. In our old town in Delray, I, I somehow, uh, this is a long story, so I won't get into it, but I had acquired, through hard work and effort, over two tons of water bottles. That's how I had to measure it, because there's so much. Now, for one individual to get two tons of water bottles, you can imagine how much hard work that would be. L literally, like physically loading water bottles and transporting them. But I had all these free water bottles, right? And so I'd go to the local parades... I printed off myself invite cards, encouragement cards, flyers to invite them to my church. And I would go out and I would just, man, those vendors were pissed though. <laughs> Everyone's selling a water bottle for a dollar, two dollars. I'm out here just throwing them for free. <laughs> and I went and I got ice. I filled all the barrels up with ice so they would be ice cold for those people. <laughs> just giving out free waters. Even something as simple as that Handing a cup of water to someone is ministry. And it says, even though that is something seemingly insignificant, it does not go unnoticed by God. Jesus describes it as not going unnoticed and that it even beckons a reward in heaven. It shows that no ministry is too small in God's eyes. No ministry is too small in God's eyes. Now, it makes me think about a time that when me and my wife were transitioning from youth pastors to plant this church here, we would always take the youth group 
to another city, to a big mega church, to a youth conference. And we'd load, uh, we'd load a bus, about 50 kids. And again, we're all volunteers. So we'd load this bus up with 50 kids and take them out of, uh, out of a city, sometimes out of state, and take them to this youth conference just so that they would have this fun, meaningful experience with God and church. And it was always great. It was always incredible. It was like three days. Um, and it was just this awesome time. And we would usually do this every summer. And this one summer, this last summer that we were going to be doing this with them, I was really distracted in my mind. I had to do a lot of work, but I was really distracted because I was trying to prepare to start a church, something I had never done before. And when we got to this conference uh, and we were in one of the first worship sessions, I was really connecting to God during this time. And I felt like at some point during worship that the Holy Spirit ministered to me and saying, and something along the lines of saying, you're going to minister at this kind of capacity one day. And I got really upset. I got really, I felt really overwhelmed in that moment because I felt confused. And, and really just, I, I, I started getting confused and thinking, well, are these my thoughts and aspirations or, or is it really God? Is this just my ambition or is this God? And I got, and I did what, and I expressed my feelings of being confused and overwhelmed, just like many men do. I got angry. And I started telling God, and I started praying this kind of way. No, exclamation mark, it's going to be a small church, and it's never going to grow. It's always going to be small. And as I look back on it, I know that's really silly to sound like that in your prayers, of, of having this like vehement conversation with God and denying something that the Holy Spirit is telling you. But I was really in my feels, and I was very uh, intimidated and afraid of failing at something that I had never done before when it comes to starting a church. And so just get off my back, okay? It was a really big deal for me. And I remember as I felt really emotional, I was afraid of getting my hopes up and never really being able to achieve something. And it was just, uh, it ended up just being this, this awkward experience in worship to where worship was done. And, you know, sometimes after worship, you're like, oh, man, that was just so good. And I was just like... <laughs> all bent out of shape, confused. And at this conference, they did a, this really great thing is they had this back room for all of the youth pastors to be able to get free coffee, to be able to network with each other, to be able to take a break. And honestly, I think some of those youth pastors were in there too long. Because every time I was playing these games out with my kids and with my youth group, all these other kids started joining in our game. I was like, what? Well, go find your own youth pastor. <laughs> They're in the coffee room. <laughs> but anyway, I went into this back room and I really just... I really just wanted the free coffee. And this lady comes up, and I, I've shared this story before, but this lady comes up, and, and she starts telling me about, uh, she says, have you got one of the cards, the encouragement cards we got? And she starts going on, uh, and, and she starts saying, um, she starts saying, you know, you should get one of these encouragement cards. We, we prayed over them. And I really, I didn't really want to deal with reading a card. I was feeling emotional. And, and so I just, I ended up just saying, no thanks, I'm good. Worst thing I could have said to this spiritual lady, okay? This, this dear sister in Christ must have like had heard red alarms going off in heaven when I said, I'm good. <laughs> and she starts like getting like, like, oh, like her whole face turned to shock. It's like, oh no, you have to, you have to, you have to take one of the cards. We prayed over them. We, we literally prayed for the Holy Spirit to guide us, and we prayed for each card to be in the right person's hand, and we even all each wrote individual message for each card. This Holy Spirit led us. You had to take one. And you know what I said? No thanks, I'm good. <laughs> really, I'm good. I just wasn't feeling really superstitious. I wasn't even really feeling that spiritual at the moment. I was all up in my fields. I just didn't really want to go through all that. And so she was just adamant. Like, no, like she, she talked about ministry. Like this was her ministry. Like make sure every person, they told her, make sure every person gets one of these cards. She's like, yes, sir. Like she was serious. And so she's like going on. And so I did what I, how I responded the same way I respond to my kids. After they be beg and badge me so long, I just say, okay, fine. I'll take one. And I even say it with attitude, okay? This is like unspiritual Homer. I know, it's shocking. But... And I even said this. This is how sarcastic it was. I even take one from the middle to make it even more spiritual. 
I was being sarcastic. And I took it. I look at this card. And it says, remember what I was just fighting with God about, right? And these words say, no church is small in God's eyes. Man, I know, right? Rosa knows. I get goosebumps every time I even say those words. Even as I was preparing this message, every time that I was even just writing this down, it gives me goosebumps. Because it, it just shows the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it was exactly what I needed to hear at exactly the right time. Something so seemingly small gave me the exact encouragement to where even now today, years into as a church planter, I look back to that moment. This lady, I don't even know her name. And that little small thing that she did made a difference in my life. Someone that, that probably doesn't even remember writing what they wrote on the back of that card. And I have it literally framed in my house. See, there's two things about this story. One is that any ministry that you do is meaningful, whatever it is. God sees it, and he will move with his power to make a difference in people's life. The second thing is, ministry is sometimes simply doing the right thing at the right time. Ministry happens in individual experiences that affect people's lives for years to come. And it doesn't mean it, each ministry lasts forever. Maybe God puts a ministry idea in your heart. It doesn't mean that it's supposed to last forever. It might just be for a season. I'm not still handing out water bottles like that. It was just for a season. I'm not still a youth pastor. It was a season. I'm not still walking lunches at public schools. That was a season. See, sometimes it's just the right time. It's a season of ministry. could be just the perfect timing for someone to have their life change. So don't hesitate in doing good. Don't stop yourself from making a difference through whatever ministry you feel God is leading you to. Allow yourself to believe that no good thing that you do is insignificant in God's eyes. Now we're going to finish with this last point, which is the incredible possibilities. We're going to finish with this. Never assume a result without adding the power of God to it first. Never assume a result without adding the power of God to it first. The scripture in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 through 38 says this. Seeing the crowds... He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like a sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. See, this passage is yelling at us that people are ready to be ministered to. It says that the harvest is ready. You know what that means? That any, anybody could just be going out into this harvest field and just bumping into something, some grain would fall off. It's ready. It's ripe. And he says the harvest is ready. And that there are people all over the world literally waiting to be reached through Christ-based ministry. But the biggest problem, the biggest problem in the scripture is that there aren't enough people working in the harvest there's not enough people working in the harvest and i believe that there are actually many that are willing but all the reasons that we talked about today has been stopping them hesitating thinking that they cannot make a difference well i still struggle with this i've still had problems with that i can't make a difference i'm not good enough i'm not smart enough i don't know anything see i believe that many are willing and even in this room, there are many of you that are willing to minister to people for the kingdom of God. But before today, you thought that you had to wait for permission. Or maybe before today, you thought too little of yourself and your ability to make an impact. But even before today, you felt this call in your heart to do something. Felt a calling in your heart to do something. And you have felt like God has been leaving you even little clues in your life telling you that you're meant to make a difference. And everything now is just yelling at you that you are called to do some type of ministry and that you need to answer that call. And so where do you start? I've been doing ministry since 2010, really from the moment that I gave my life to Christ. That's when I started doing ministry. And 
I remember going to, I went to a ministry school, and after I finished the program, I started serving at my old local church, and nearly every opportunity that would come up. I'm talking about parking lot ministry. Put me there. Where, where, who needs volunteers today? I'm going to the parking lot. I'm talking about Texas parking lot. I'm talking about July outside parking lot. People wearing, um, using umbrellas, not for the rain. No. We have to protect ourselves from the sun. Parking lot. I, I volunteered at every spot I could because I became interested at how each, each individual ministry could make a difference in somebody's life. I became fascinated that even think something as insignificant as a parking lot, seemingly insignificant, would make such a difference in somebody's life. Talking about some, you know what some fellows would do out there? They would help ladies. They'd say, here, let me park your car. And they would notice that their gas tank was on empty, and they would go and fill up their car. Y'all like, we need to do that here. <laughs> Y'all are like, but were the gas prices like this? <laughs> See, I became fascinated with how every single place within a church, every single place of ministry was an opportunity to minister. Even when it comes to becoming the youth pastor, I really, I really believe that the only reason they made me the youth pastor was because I just kept showing up to move chairs. That I was be getting there before the other youth directors, the actual person that was in charge. And I was there ready setting up chairs for them. And when all these other people would cycle in and out, like, oh, it didn't work out, I feel God calling me somewhere else, I was still there setting up chairs, and there's like not even any youth coming. <laughs> and just from being a youth pastor, just sh showing up to set up chairs, all, from 2012, 2017, we did that. And that whole time that I was doing all these different actions of ministry, when, even that whole time that I was a youth pastor, I wasn't paid a single penny. I wasn't, I wasn't paid a single penny. I was a youth pastor that whole time, unpaid. It was strictly volunteer. I wanted to get paid for it. Because even while I was at work, I was always thinking about the youth group. I was always thinking about what I could do for ministry. I would have to be hiding my notebook. I was a jet engine mechanic for the government. I was supposed to be writing what I did in the, on the rotor, the jet rotor, compressor rotor. What do you all know about that? And here I was planning out the next lock-in for the youth group. My supervisor would walk in, I would flip the page real quick. See, I wanted to get paid, but I wasn't. And... I was even considered and treated like staff. I was asked to attend certain meetings that were only for staff. I was the only person in those meetings that wasn't paid. I would go to deacons meetings. I would go to all these other meetings. I would go to leadership meetings, trainings. And I was expected to go above and beyond like staff members. I would even have people of the church come and they, they would want to encourage me and step me inside and say, hey, I just want to let you know that out of all the different staff here, I see that you work the hardest. It's like, shoot. <laughs> Little do you know, I'm not even paid to be here. <laughs> See, I went above and beyond, and I was never a paid staff member. And even when I started the, this church, I realized very quickly that I was an overcommitted volunteer. See, it's not very lucrative to plant a church. And as I, as I, cont as I continued to do ministry, all, uh, I did so much ministry all of these years. I started a church. I taught Christian lessons at public schools. I went to detention centers. I go to recovery centers. I've prayed at hospitals. I would even share, pray and share the gospel with people that I drove around for Uber. I taught anger management for, for crying out loud. I don't know. This <laughs> is another opportunity to minister. And see, all of these things, I, I never considered myself a minister at the time because I was never paid to do it. And I look back today and see how silly it was to think like that. But that's how so many people view ministry today. Is that, I, well, I have my job. I can't do that. I, 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 maybe if there's an opportunity, maybe if I'm paid to do it. But I'm telling you, it is actually very rare to actually be paid to do ministry. That, that's, there's so many aspiring ministry leaders think that they need to wait for a paid opportunity to come along for them to start making a difference. But we have to break this corporate style way of thinking about ministry from our minds and embrace the idea that nothing is holding you back from making a difference. 
There's truly nothing holding you back and that you don't need to climb a corporate ladder of a church and you don't need to, to accept these fantasies of fear that you won't be able to do it. That you've, all these fantasies of fear that you've created in your head. Stop wondering, what if it doesn't work out? What if I don't reach anyone? What if I don't make a difference? What if I'm not good enough? What if blah, blah, blah? You must understand that those fears aren't real. Fear is the same thing as a faith. It's the belief and expectation of something that is unseen. So those fears aren't real. But the blood, the sweat, the tears, that stuff is real. The work that you put in, that is real. And so aren't you, aren't you just tired of waiting to be used by God? Aren't you tired of waiting to make a difference? Aren't you sick of trying to feel more spiritual by just going to church? See, that's like the bare minimum of our community. But don't you have this, this inkling inside of your heart to want to do something significant for God? to do something meaningful in somebody's life, then start today by writing down what you're passionate about. Write down what you're passionate about and start just trying to go from there. Are you passionate about recovery? Are you, are you passionate about recovery for addicts? Are you passionate about homeless? Are you passionate about the prison system? Are you passionate about schools or youth? Are you passionate about children? Are you passionate about uh, single moms? Hey, whoa. <laughs> I was in a... <laughs> I, I just felt that in the spirit. Someone's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, not like that. Are you passionate about prayer? Are you passionate about worship? Are you passionate about scripture? Write down your passions and start thinking creatively and prayerfully of how you can structure that into a ministry. Go over it again and imagine what the actual process of what it could look like to accomplish something. You know, I was really passionate about, about kids that didn't have either parents or parents that were involved. And there's, there's multiple times that me and my wife would take in these, these older teenagers that didn't know what to do with their life and no one was calling or checking in on them. And we let them stay at our house as we tried to help build them up. To, to focus in their lives. It was the stupidest thing we ever did, right? <laughs> but see, it was, it was something that was, we, we, so, we just think so corporately, like, oh, well, we have to apply for adoption. We have to apply for a foster care program. Dog, we just did what we could do, and it made a difference. And you need to think about ministry like that. Don't think about what you have to apply for or what red tape you have to go through. Look at what you could possibly do. Do you care about young, young children? How can you make a difference in young children's life? Sometimes it's just simply by being there, by, by paying for McDonald's. Whatever it is, think and pray carefully through it and go over it again and then imagine what the actual process would look like to accomplish something. What would a win look like in that ministry? And then go through the work of preparing, preparing the best that you can and simply do it. Don't get lost in preparing. Sometimes you just need to go out and do something. You've ever felt like you need to just like win some souls for Christ? Like, I just need to tell someone about Jesus. Why don't you, have you ever tried, just for a moment, walking the mall, going up to a random person and asking them if they know who Jesus is? Asking them if they, if they ever have thought about eternity? Shoot, I've done that. I brought people for, to Christ like that. See, Sometimes we get so lost in preparing, like, oh, well, I need to prepare a better, a better this, a better that. I need to prepare something to say. Sometimes you just need to go out and do something. And, and then you'll learn from that experience and figure out what you didn't know you needed to know. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know until you find out you don't know that you don't know. So you need to just go out and do it. Do it and grow yourself and grow people. Grow this ministry and think of the incredible possibilities that could happen. And then add the idea of the power of God to it, too. That being said, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here, and maybe throughout this whole talk, the very first thing I said was that the, that the baby step of a, of a believer is changing direction. It's this aspect of repentance and walking towards Jesus. And maybe you are sitting here today, you're listening to this, and you realize that you've never had a moment, a decision where you've actually 
Put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, you can't pinpoint a day that you did that and you want to do that today. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. So just there to yourself, right where you're at, I want you to start talking to Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Romans, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is, if you have an authentic conversation yourself with Jesus, acknowledge who he is, the son of God that died on the cross for the world's sins and rose from the dead. That's all it takes to start this journey of a changed direction. That's all it takes to start a relationship with him. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can just have that conversation yourself. So as you're doing that, if for the rest of you, if you're here and you feel like the Holy Spirit is bringing out of you this desire to do something for the Lord, ministry of some kind, maybe you don't have it exactly right, but you know that you just have this compelling within yourself to make a difference by being the hands and feet of Jesus in some way. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hands. I see your hands. So now I'm going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you solidify and work on these people's hearts. They, ha they feel this calling within themselves. And I pray that you just bring that calling forth, that you continue to make it clearer and clearer, and that you minister to their heart and their soul, and that you bring about passion today in their heart, and that you make this week something that is illuminating to them, that you reveal more and more of your mission for their life. I thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.